when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. Hi, I'm Imri, the host of the Wannabe Podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I am so grateful that you're here today. Thank you for listening into the second part of Danielle's episode. Before we jump into that, I have a very big announcement. And that is that the Shoutout Network is producing its second annual Shout Out Live festival, which means we are focusing on radical women in podcasting. Our panels include Content is Queen, Developing the Next Generation of Female Podcasters, and Finding Your Voice, Exploring Podcasting as a Branding Tool. We'll also have live shows from Not Another Book Podcast, who will be joined by very special guests. And Wannabe, of course, will be doing a live show as well with a very special guest to be announced closer to the time. We've got a fantastic lineup of female podcasters and women in podcasting in the wider industry to share their knowledge and let you know what life is like going into this industry. I honestly urge you to go to solifefestival.com and register to get a ticket because they are so, 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 so limited and it is first come first served. So make sure you head to solifefestival.com and register so that when tickets go live, you get that link ASAP. This week, I'm joined by Danielle McDonald, the Clarity Architect and the founder of Brands of Colour, which is a leading and award-winning membership platform committed to helping Black female entrepreneurs to step up, step out and own it and to become more business savvy. On Monday's episode, Danielle and I talked about finding your purpose. And in today's episode, we talk about Danielle's career trajectory from HR to entrepreneur. We explore the signs that you're ready to leave and being made redundant the importance of accountability and we also touch on mastermind groups and why they are so essential to your growth as a small business i think you're going to really like it let's go who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why you know when i was in secondary school i had various different things at one point i wanted to be a fashion designer nice then at one point i wanted to be a lawyer in all honesty that's kind of stuck with me i'm like i'm not too old to get started on that so i don't know might be something i pick up in the near future who knows but yeah (laughs) wait you want to be a lawyer yeah and you still want to be a lawyer yeah there's something within me I don't know what, what is it, it is I don't know I think I is it the power you know what it, I think I've watched quite a lot of um those shows and I'm like yeah I can do that <laughs> that's how I feel about Grey's Anatomy 
<laughs> I grew up and I really wanted to be um, a doctor. Well, I didn't grow up wanting to be a doctor. I yeah. had a point in secondary school like you where I wanted to be a doctor and I was like, I'm going to do this. And then I started watching Grey's. I fell out of love and I was like, mm. medical school is five years. I'm just not gonna. And then I got to watching Grey's Anatomy and I was like, surgeons, I can do this. Yeah. And I did contemplate applying. I think I even did the research and I was like, oh, that feeling <laughs> is like, no, awesome. I can't do that. But I can definitely relate to that call of like, oh, this looks cool. Yeah. I watch too many shows. <laughs> and same here. But I think that's kind of probably why I fell into HR as well, yeah. to be honest. And I think sometimes it's the whole injustice thing. Ooh. So, yeah. Who knows? HR and I have a special relationship. <laughs> I think a lot of people have a special relationship with HR. <laughs> I worked in like HR tech um, and recruitment tech. So I had to deal with a lot of HR managers, a lot of recruiters. Um, that was an interesting time in my life mm. because it's such a, I still do a lot of writing for HR like companies and yeah, it's a very special and unique place to operate in. Yeah. How did you land into HR and did you, did you love it? Yeah, it was interesting because I worked for Topshop for six years and I started as a shop floor sales assistant. I thought to myself, hell no, I'm not doing retail. Yeah. Like I want to go off and do something <laughs> else. Anyway, I actually started to love it. And so I worked my way up into various different roles. Then it got to a certain point and I thought, actually, I know this kind of inside out. I want to move on to somewhere new. And then that's when an opportunity at Urban Outfitters came up. Oh, nice. And when I joined Urban Outfitters, they were literally, they just had four stores in the UK. So it was very much, um, you know, their first store in High Street Kensington, they opened in 1998. I joined the company in 2004. So very entrepreneurial business. Mm -hmm. So you had an opportunity to grow and evolve and work your way up in the business, which was great. So everything that I had learned at Topshop, I went to Urban Outfitters and I was like, what the hell is this? This is insane. Why do they not have this in place? I've made a mistake. I need to go back to Topshop. And um, Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, um, basically what happened from there, and I'll keep the story short, but I got to a point where I just started to see all these things that weren't implemented. And I just started to implement things. I linked in with people, with one person in particular from the U.S., and I looked at everything that they had and I was like, oh my gosh, they have it all there. Mm-hmm. And so I started to implement it little by little and it started to get noticed. And so again, long story short, in 2007, they said to me, look, we have this role and we want you to come and work for us one day a week. And it was kind of looking at the communication side of things. Sure. And then they were like, okay, we've got a HR manager role. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, um, I'm not qualified but I will go and get myself <laughs> qualified. And um, then, you know, I went on to do my master's degree after that. And I left in 2012. And for me, when I was told that my job was at risk of redundancy, I was just like, this is the best thing that could have happened to me. Oh wow! And I sat cool. there with the biggest smile on my face. And so it's kind of when I had left, when I started doing HR for them, we, I was looking after like 250 employees that was across stores and head office. And then by the time I left in 2012, it was, looking after HR across six different countries and like 1,400 employees. So it grew like massively. So it was excellent experience. And I think in life, it's one of those things where everything leads you to a certain place, but you can't see it until you get to a certain place in the road. Yeah, Yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) It's a really strange path where everything looked a bit um, like random. So so many people I've spoken to on this podcast, everyone's like... They're like, oh, none of this makes sense. I don't know if this is going to be interesting Mm. because I don't know if this is relevant. And then it's like, no, actually, actually, there's a small nugget in each part of your experience that 
kind of tells the story of like how you ended up doing exactly what you're doing. And I think like a lot of people manage to condense it down to like all of the things that they've been cumulatively good at. Yeah. Then becomes this thing that they've kind of created their own businesses out of, which is quite a beautiful thing. Yeah. Definitely. Um, how did you know that you were ready when they said, you know, we're likely to make this redundant? Um, but how did you know you were ready before that? Because that's what you mentioned before. Yeah, it was really in 2011 I had made the decision that I wanted to leave. I felt that I had got to the point where it's like, okay, what what else is there? And I'm sure there was more, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't something that I wanted to do. And I remember that, yeah, even having a conversation with my manager and I said, look, do you know what? Next year I'm going to be leaving. And so my plan was to leave in quarter four Mm-hmm. of 2012 and at that point my relationship with God was growing yeah and so we were having conversations <laughs> we were having conversations and um it got to that point where before the meeting I got an invite to the meeting and I thought I know what this is about yeah and I literally prayed on it and I said you know what I just want to go so this is how much I want and so when I got to that meeting that's exactly what I got but oh, then nice. but then being greedy I was like okay but I want a bit more <laughs> I didn't get more. Um, <laughs> I mean, you tried. You I shot, tried. You shot. I tried. I was like, okay, you know, I already prayed on it. That's what I got. Um, and yeah, so it was just, I'd never been a risk taker, yeah. but it gave me that buffer, that financial buffer to say, okay, right, you can go off. You can have a bit of downtime. You've been working since you was like frigging 15, 16. Um, and you can actually figure out what you want to do mm-hmm. and, you know, launch something officially in like 2013. So what did you launch for the listeners that don't know? Yeah. So my very first company was called Color Your Success. And obviously, you know, we had the right. your success. Yeah. So we had the rights in like 2011. And so for me, it was one of those things I thought my calling was to work with young people. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those markets. It was very saturated. And I realized, actually, this isn't going to give me the lifestyle that I want in terms of being able to work freely and from anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you kind of, you know, have to go into schools and all the rest of it. Yeah. And I just realized it wasn't for me. And then I, before, while I was doing that, I was doing HR for like startups and small businesses, which oh, was nice. great. But one of the things and we're probably going to touch on this is when I started in business, it was very much a case of looking at everybody else. Of course. And so when people talk about doing market research, sometimes you can get too caught up in that. Yeah. And so for me, at one point, you know, what I was looking at, it became, an, my brand became an amalgamation of everybody else. And that literally almost destroyed my business. Wow. And so it was only when I actually stepped back and, look at, and looked at who I was and what I was meant to be doing that things actually started to shift for the better. And I said, I'm scrapping all of that. This is, this is who I am. How did you get to that point of knowing though? Like, I feel, I feel almost like I'm in that place where you were before, Mm. before we've gotten there, where there is a lot of looking, um, which we will definitely, definitely, definitely touch on. Yeah. Um, But like, what, how did you practically get through that? Like, was it your relationship with God? Was it more, you kind of just... Like, what were the steps that got you to know this is who I am? Because I think that journey is very interesting and also very mm. shrouded in mystery for a lot of people. Yeah. Do you, are you able to articulate it? Yeah, I think things, things evolved along the way. And probably the big turning point was when I joined a mastermind. So okay. it was something I invested in. And then my mentor at the time, we had like these meetings. And so we would go around the table and people would speak and... 
I'm very straight and to the point. And so she said to me, do you know what, Danielle, one of the things that I love about you is that you, you basically just speak with clarity. You get your point across and you're done. You're very succinct. Yeah. And from there, that's really where the Clarity Architect came about as well, because it was like, oh my gosh, actually, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so that moment was a massive turning point, but I also feel that it's important to recognize the signs along the way. Okay. Because I feel that there are loads of things that are kind of like presented to us and you can choose to pay attention to them mm-hmm. or ignore them. And I chose to pay attention to them. And even when I think about where I was there to where I am now, it's insane. I could have never imagined it. Yeah. I loved what you said about the mastermind groups because I keep mm. hearing this over and over again, but I have no idea what they are. Um, and I only hear them in like very American context. So what is a mastermind? How do you find it? Is it just like a women? Like, is it coaching? Like, what is it exactly? And how do I, how do I get into one? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's, um, yeah, definitely an American thing for yeah. sure. And um, in Think or Grow Rich talks about that, that book um, talks about mastermind groups. Okay. But for me, as being part of that collective, it was a group of women that were handpicked you had to apply it was making sure that people had synergies with each other oh, wow, okay. and it was very much a case of where you were meeting on a quarterly basis but you had to be really open in terms of like where you're at and what you were doing mm-hmm. and so we've kind of replicated that set up within brands of color as well so each month we have a group mastermind call and it's very much a case of people sharing where they're at Mm -hmm. their achievements, their challenges, but then also taking the hot seat and being at the table and saying, okay, look guys, you know, this is something that I need help with. What are your thoughts? And it's going through a process where by the end of that hot seat, they then have the solutions that they can go away and implement. So that that's my way of saying it. People have different ways, but you know, that's just a simple breakdown. Sounds really cool. Sounds like something I need. Yeah. I think we have like a very loosely... A very loose based one, um, which is more of a Facebook thing. There's no accountability. And Mm. I think a lot of uh, younger women who are building their brands and businesses that I guess would be in a similar line where I am actually, is that we don't necessarily have like the accountability. So like we have access to loads of mentors. I mean, at least I know I do. I have, I collect mentors like Pokemon. (laughs) I'm like, you're my mentor. You don't even know. It's cool. We're just doing this. This is who you are to me now. Um, But like I have loads of mentors, but I think what I really struggle with personally is accountability. And from talking to a lot of my peers, that seems to be the thing of, we seem to be going through these, I guess, more challenging aspects of business and then getting to these kind of roadblocks, which I imagine we cannot be the first nor the only people to Mm. meet these roadblocks. But having like that moment to sit down as a collective, because I mean, I can speak to my friends and your mentors. My mentors are generally, some of them are very practical and hands-on, like, okay, this is what you actually need to do. And it's very practical and hands-on. But having like a group of people that kind of have a collective, like diverse way of Mm. thinking and a diverse way of doing things, different businesses, that sounds incredibly valuable how did you even find what yours in the first place it was someone who I was connected with and then she reached out to me and so we had a conversation I thought you know what based on where I am right now that sounds fantastic and I'm glad that you actually mentioned accountability Mm -hmm. because that is essential so even with how we operate in brands of color people are partnered with an accountability partner for a period of three months so each quarter they switch yeah and like you said everyone has different perspectives and I think regardless of whether you have a service-based business or product-based business there's something that you can always learn from each other 
absolutely no I I completely agree Mm. I think you can always offer someone a different insight and I love people that have loads of different career arcs because I think then you're kind of bringing in all Mm. of those different skills and that knowledge and then you apply it to something else and beautiful things happen I think some of the best companies have like that beautiful mix of like those of influencers coming from different industries. So finally, to wrap up, I wanted to ask you what the worst advice you've ever received was and what the best advice you've ever received was. Oh my gosh. The worst advice, oh, I can remember. It was when I was at Urban Outfitters and I had my appraisal and I said to my boss, it was like amazing. And I was just like, okay, um, improvements, please. And he said to me, you're too optimistic. And I will say that was the worst advice because if I had actually listened to that, I don't believe I would be where I am today. How is that even? (laughs) I know it sounds bad. And I got so much respect for him, even to this day, but it's one of those things. And that's probably part of, for people to take in mind as well is don't always listen to what people tell you. Even if it's a coach, a mentor, Mm -hmm. you don't have to take everything on board, take on board what feels good. Yeah. That's such a weird piece of advice. (laughs) You're too optimistic. Like, who doesn't want optimism? Yeah. Boundless optimism. Um, What about the best advice? The best, put yourself out there, Danielle. And the people listening into this will know who they are. Um, (laughs) But yeah, put yourself out there. Like physically, like in events, like out in the world? Yeah, in events, actually, you know, speaking, all the rest of it, doing things like this, actually just getting from behind brands of colour. Yeah. Yeah. You should be out here more. You're doing amazing (laughs) things. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here, for doing this. I really appreciate all your beautiful words. And you did welcome pure clarity. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. And bye. bye. A huge thanks to Danielle on today's episode. You can follow Danielle on Twitter at Ms. D. McDonald. That's M S D M C D O N A L D. You can find out more about Brands of Colour, the membership platform for Black female entrepreneurs, on Twitter at Brands of Colour. And be sure to check out their newly launched podcast by the same name. If you like how this podcast is made and you think you can do what I do, or better, more importantly, then you need to reach out to the Shoutout Network. To find out more about membership, visit shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. Be sure to follow Wannabe on Twitter and Instagram at Wannabe Podcast. And please do tweet me your thoughts and feelings on this episode. If you feel like it really helped you by all means, just, you know, hit me up and say, hey, Emery, I really enjoyed that. Thanks. That would be really great. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, of course, you can leave a rating and review if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app. All you have to do is hit the stars and go. Uh, and I'll be very, very grateful for that. And it helps the podcast grow. Anyway, I will catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.